Hey, what's up, everybody? From Stepladder, I'm Rian Martin, and this is the very first episode of the Career AMA. It's the show where we ask people how they figured out what they wanted to be, what their job is actually like, and the steps they took to get there. The goal is to give you a behind-the-scenes look at different careers so that you can figure out what you want to be and how to get your start. Today, I'm talking to Diane Coletta. Diane ditched her corporate job to become a well-known Instagram influencer, gaining an audience of more than 100,000 followers and working with brands like Dior and Christian Louboutin. She currently spends most of her time helping millennials achieve their money goals through her blog, Life with a Budget. In this jam-packed interview, we talk about how she got started, how long it took her to land her first client, how much influencers make per follower, the secret deals that influencers have access to, and advice for anyone who wants to become an influencer. Hey, Diane, welcome to the show. Hey, Rayan, thanks for having me today. I'm super excited to talk to you about uh, my path. Going back and thinking about what you wanted to be when you were a kid. Do you remember like at the earliest age what you wanted to be and how that evolved over time? Yeah. So actually I wanted to work in finance. I've always been extremely fascinated by the financial world, whether it's the stock market or saving money and budgeting money. Uh, But I really had this creative side that I loved And I didn't want to be limited into like a little box of like what I could and couldn't do. So I think with Petite Paris, it really allowed me to be creative. And then when I saw great success with that, I really wanted to go back to my fundamentals and what I really love doing, which is helping uh, millennials and my peers either make money by investing in the stock market, doing side hustles or just learning how to budget and save money. So a lot of people dream about escaping the corporate world, but never do. What was the final straw that made you leave? And what plans did you make to go from a cushy AT&T corporate job to doing your own thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I left the corporate job because you know, I had this fear that I didn't want to wake up one day and be like, this is it. I didn't pursue and follow my goals. I didn't go after what I really wanted. Uh, So I thought while I was still young, I wanted to take the risk. I got an opportunity to move over to Paris, France, um, and I took that opportunity and I left the corporate world to move abroad. You know, you're an influencer now, but what did you move to Paris to actually do? So I moved to Paris to actually work at a hotel startup company that specialized in helping housekeepers and the maintenance team manage their day-to-day operations. When did you branch out and really decide to do your own thing? Uh, So the funny thing is, is before I left for Paris, I actually came up with the name Petite in Paris to launch my blog. So I told everybody before I left um, I, you guys get on, on the ground floor and follow me. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start this when I move there. And I think that kind of made me commit more. So when I moved to Paris, I launched immediately Petite in Paris. And I would say within the first month of me being there, we were taking our first photos in front of the Eiffel Tower. So I did a lot of build up before I left. And then when I arrived to Paris is really when I launched the blog, the Instagram and all the other social media. So you moved to Paris, you start a new nine to five at a startup where you're, you know, having to do all these different things and you launch the blog at the same time. Is that right? Yeah, completely correct. How did you balance, you know, working full time and and trying to launch this new thing? 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, a lot of mistakes were made. I, when we first started taking photos, when I say we, I mean me and uh, my now fiance, Aaron, um, he was my photographer. We would get up at sunrise to go take photos because we read online, you know, the best time to shoot is in the golden hour. Over time, we got extremely strategic with photos. So we would take photos only on Sundays and do multiple outfit changes. But I would say that first year, figuring it out, trying to time management uh, was very challenging. I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, when you launched this thing, you kind of had to still have a job. It's not something you could have just gone straight into full time. Yeah, that's correct. So it took me, I would say, a solid two years to get steady in stream of revenue. The first year I did a lot of collaborations for free because I had to build up my portfolio. I didn't work with any brands. I didn't, I wasn't known. And on top of that, I couldn't speak French. So not only was I competing against French influencers, I was also competing against, you know, Americans as well who had a massive following. Stranger in a strange land. (laughs) Uh, So it took two years uh, to really get off the ground. Do you remember what your first paying opportunity was? Yeah. So my very first client, much like a lot of bloggers, was Daniel Wellington. Uh, they, they were my first sponsored collaboration. So when I say sponsored collaboration, I mean they paid me per photo. I was on a test run, I remember, and it was for one photo of me wearing the watch. So you get a debrief of what the campaign is, kind of what sort of photos they're looking for. You take the photos and you submit it to them for approval. That campaign went really well and they ended up being my client for two years. How many followers did you have to have before a company like Daniel Wellington was interested? So at that time I had, when I got that campaign, I believe right under 50,000 followers. Do you think uh, you could have started charging sooner? I think at the time I could not have charged sooner. I think with today's industry and how influencers are so widely accepted, I see influencers charging now with a following with 5,000 followers. They're considered micro influencers, but those those micro influencers have a really strong audience. So a lot of brands have been shifting from working with these mega, mega influencers to working with micro influencers because they can work uh, with a lot of micro influencers. And most of the time, micro influencers have an extremely engaged community. Um, So the message and you know, the product being out there in front of their community sometimes ends up being a lot stronger than working with a mega influencer. So it was two years of waking up at 5 a.m., taking all these pictures, figuring things out and working a day job. You finally, you know, land uh, your first client. How, How long after that did it take until you were making a decent amount of revenue that you could live on or really do anything with? Great question. I think that After I landed that first deal, deals just kind of kept falling in line. So every time I would finish a collaboration, I would have another one waiting. I would say it wasn't until I was doing this three and a half, four years that I could easily say, okay, I feel confident to quit my full-time job and pursue this long-term or full-time. 
Can you talk a little bit about the economics? Like what can people expect to make being an influencer? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of people often wonder how much can they charge? How much can they charge for an Instagram post? And the biggest rule of thumb I tell people is you can charge one penny per follower. So if you have 100,000 followers, you can charge a thousand bucks for one photo. And then of course, what I always tell people is kind of use common sense. Like if you're working with a super well-known brand, you can charge more. Whereas if you're working with a smaller brand, they're probably not going to have as big as budget and you need to be flexible with them. Um, you need to give them a more discounted rate. What I tend to do is I will create a bundled package. And when I say bundled package, I mean I'll include three Instagram photos at a discounted rate, Instagram stories, and a blog post. And so then the price overall will be higher. But if you look per post, it will actually be lower. So as opposed to trying to just do a one-time campaign at a higher rate, I do a little lower rate, but then do reoccurring campaigns. So you can build an ongoing relationship with the brand. So it's not just a one-time thing. Exactly. And then when it comes to talking about money proposals, what happens most often? Is it usually that the brand is proposing you know, what they want to pay you and what they want you to do? Or is that mostly on you? So it's actually mostly on the influencer. A brand will always send you an email trying to get you to work for free. 100% of the time. I've never had a brand come to me and be like, oh, I want to pay you to you know, wear my clothing in an Instagram photo. So it's your job as an influencer to build value in the email, why they should work with you. And then I always ask them their budget. I always like for the brand to throw out the first number so I can kind of see where their head's at. Um, are they trying to lowball you? Are they being fair? Or do they have a bigger budget? Because if you throw out the first number, they may be, they could have a bigger number in mind. Um, you know, so it's really important that you actually ask the question because typically a brand will not offer you money for a campaign. And speaking of that, I mean, you've been able to work with brands like Dior, Christian uh, Labouton. How have you actually been able to do that? Like, is there any secret to being able to work with these really, really well-known luxury brands? Yeah, so I've been super fortunate um, to work with these brands. I actually think a lot of work goes into being able to build up your portfolio. So you actually start working with lesser known brands. Um, so I worked with a bunch of brands that weren't so well known in the beginning. You build up your portfolio and then a lot of these things come from either introductions or them seeing your work with other brands. So I had to do a lot of free campaigns for brands at the beginning just to start getting that experience. So when Dior contacted me and then when I was introduced to Christian Louboutin to work with them, I already had a portfolio built up. So when they needed sample photos or campaigns that I'd done, I already had that in my profile. And speaking of like all these brands that you're working with, how much product do you get sent and, and what do you get to keep and what do you have to send back? Yeah, so that's also a great question. So I get sent quite a bit of product. I'm on a lot of beauty 
PR list. I work closely with a beauty agency here in France that whenever a new product comes out, they sell it. So, or send it. When they send you a product, you're not obligated to post about it. Uh, but if you like it, I always tell people to post about it. But the agency knows that there's no guarantee of posting about it. I also work really closely with a clothing brand online where every month I get to pick out 10 new items of clothing and I need to post one photo of me wearing that. So I get to go on their website and pick out any 10 things I want. So this ranges in price anywhere from, you know, 50 euros for a piece to I think the most expensive one I got from them was over 1100 euros. So it really just depends on the relationships that you build up. I would say that you can expect when you start working with brands during fashion week, that because you are typically wearing the clothes of that brand that you're attending fashion week for, these are higher end couture pieces, oftentimes one of a kind. And oftentimes they have to make alterations on that piece for you to wear. So those pieces you have to send back uh, but I always tell people like, this is amazing that you get to wear these couture pieces, one of a kind. Plus, this will also increase your chances of people taking street photography of you, you getting featured in magazines, you getting featured in uh, different publications online as well. So in a sense, you really actually do get paid to shop online now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in a way I do. And it's really cool because when you actually post a photo of you wearing the object, you can link that object to go directly to the brand's website. And then you can also make a commission off of the sale. So it's a win-win for the brand. You drive traffic to their site. And then when you know your follower buys something, you get a small commission from that. I know you'd mentioned you had gotten to go to some pretty exclusive events. What is the most just outrageous or memorable or over the top uh, event that you can remember? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the best perks, I would say, about being an influencer are the events that you get invited to. A few years ago, I got to go to the French Open and it was the men's singles final and I was five rows back and you looked across and it was just so many... Uh, familiar faces from movie stars to actors to actresses. And it's one of those things I remember sitting there thinking, wow, I'm so lucky to be able to go to, you know, this event and have this ticket and have this seat. And, you know, I, I, my fiance, Aaron, he grew up, you know, playing tennis in high school. And I know he would have killed for that opportunity to train me places. So I'm super thankful every day for, the things I've been able to experience because of this choice I made. You get product, you get invited to exclusive events, you know, you get all these perks. What are maybe some perks we haven't talked about? Or is there any anything else that being an influencer gives you access to that people don't normally think about? Just because I'm a fashion influencer, there's exclusive platforms out there that I'm part of that normal people wouldn't have access to. Like there's one platform I'm part of that allows me to choose any location in the world and book a hotel directly through the app and go there for free. There's one app that I'm on that allows me to eat at over 180 restaurants in Paris for free for two people. I just need to book the time. There's one app out there that 
is just a long, long list of products I can choose from that they'll just send to me. So there's a lot of things out there like that that are not known to the public, but because I'm an influencer, I have access to. Now, is this no strings attached or do you actually have to do something uh, to essentially redeem these offers of a free hotel stay or a free meal or, you know, whatever? Yeah, it's a great question. So each platform has different um, requirements, I guess you could say. The ones with food, they want, you know, three Instagram stories. But I always tell people like, how easy is it to go out with your friends who either are influencers or not influencers and just get a free meal and you would be taking photos anyways, even if you weren't an influencer. Uh, with the hotel ones, they typically want permanent content on your feed. Um, and some even require a blog post. It really all depends on the platform, but I would say the most common things people want are Instagram stories, sometimes with a swipe up so you can go directly to their page. And if it's something way more expensive or even something like when I went to a Michelin star restaurant, they actually required a photo on my feed. How much pressure is there to say something specific or something positive when you know brands, restaurants, hotels, really anybody is working with you? I think that to be honest, it's extremely important that you're upfront with the brands. So I will turn down countless opportunities to get paid for brands and they just I just don't believe in them. I typically like to work with brands that I already know the product and I'm familiar with and I'm confident that it will be a good experience and that the the product is quality. Um, when it comes to restaurants, to be honest, Paris has great restaurants. So I haven't been disappointed yet. Um, but I'm no stranger to talk about things that I would avoid ordering at a restaurant or things to order at a restaurant because you're not going to like everything and that's okay. But you can't just say that you love everything because then you start losing that trust of your followers. Because if you love everything, then do you really like anything? Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I've seen some people do that where they get big enough and then they just start promoting anything and everything. And I'm just kind of, come on. Like, I I don't trust your opinion anymore just because you are um, saying you love everything and saying that everything's great. Like, there there's no way that's the case. Yeah, exactly. And you really, I mean, to be honest, on the flip side of that, the offers are tempting. They pay quite a bit for promotions. And typically, the brands that you're not so interested in, they pay more than you know, normal rate. And they know that, which is why you see a lot of these influencers and people really promote products they probably don't believe in because the money is there on the back end. But I assume the risk is too that you end up destroying the following that's actually paying your bills. Exactly. That's, that's the way I looked at it. I was like, what is the cost benefit in this? I mean, short term, it's awesome. Like, but long term, it's going to hurt you. So you really have to think about like, what is your plan? Is this a long term play, short term play? And how is this going to impact me in the future? I know it seems tempting to just work with every and any brands. I mean, you'll have companies be like, we'll send you this $3 
you know, thing. And then you're promoting it everywhere. Like it's the greatest thing when really it's not. And I know that it's tempting and you see that money and you have bills to pay and, you know, you need to pay rent because that's not going to stop and it can't be paid with free product. But you really should think about like the long term, how this is going to impact you, because I know a lot of the luxury brands won't work with bloggers who have, you know, worked with maybe questionable brands in the past. I think what a lot of people, they look at influencers or bloggers and they say, oh, you know, you just post pictures and people pay you money. That really doesn't seem to be the reality. What are some other common misconceptions of what it actually takes uh, to be an influencer and be able to do this for a living? That's also a great question. There is a lot of confusion. And to be honest, I thought the same thing. When we first started, I was like, yeah, just take like, you know, two photos and we'll be done. But there's a lot of prep work that goes into it. Not only are you having to, depending on what industry you're doing, like I was doing fashion, I had to style the outfits before, I had to steam them, I had to get ready, all the preparation work for just the photo shoot. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the thing that takes the most time is the admin and the negotiations. You're working with brands that just have a team behind them and you're just a one person show. So on the days you're not taking photos, you are responding to emails. You need to make sure that you're professional. You have to hit deadlines. You have to make sure to follow up. You have to send invoices once the campaign's done. All of these little things and little details are not ever really discussed or talked about. And I spend a majority of my time just answering emails, attending events, meeting people. Sometimes they lead to campaigns, sometimes they don't, but you really have to go out there in like I go out there in Paris and I meet different agencies all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, that actually sounds like a job, right? Uh, it's not just the the fun part of doing the photo shoot and dressing up and, and you know, responding to comments. Yeah, exactly. It It is like a full-time job. And, you know, I had, like I said at the before, um, I couldn't speak French. So it was really hard when I was meeting agencies because they would be like, why should we work with you when, you know, your audience doesn't speak French and we're a French company? So not only are you up against challenges and each person will have their own challenges, but you also have to sell yourself and you have to make sure that, you know, they see why the value in actually working with you as opposed to someone else. You're in a, a country where you don't speak the language. But I mean, I would also think that Petite in Paris kind of having a different angle to your, you know, fashion blog and what you're doing, I, that probably helped too, didn't it? Yeah. My biggest following comes from the U.S. and France. I have the U.S. following because they're very interested in what an American is doing in France. And then I have the French following um, for the exact same reason. Like, oh, I want to see kind of what this American's doing while living there. I've been fortunate enough to meet like a ton of French influencers. I get invited to events, fashion shows. And it's really been a great opportunity to meet people. And, you know, like, I know there's a misconception that the industry is very catty and, you know, they're not nice to work with. And I think that it's just one of those things that if you 
project a positive attitude, they'll project a positive attitude back. And I've never had any issues on my end. What have been the hardest things about becoming an influencer and what wasn't as difficult as you thought it was going to be? I think the hardest thing about becoming an influencer was just the time involved in it. I work with my fiance, who's the photographer, and it was just really about coordinating our schedules and, you know, being aligned with the same vision. You really need to make sure that you're communicating with the photographer that you're working with, whether it's, you know, your partner or it's a friend or it's a hired photographer, you really have to be aligned and have that open lines of communication. So now before we do any photo shoot, I find photos that are like inspiration with like how I want to pose. The outfit's already laid out and picked out. Everything's steamed. The camera's charged. The lenses are ready. And then we have a location picked out. So all of that like prep work is really important before you go out and do a photo shoot. I imagine there are probably influencers who start solo. Do you have any insight into how they go about that? What's really great about technology today is that a lot of cameras, if you go with a camera, you can just buy a tripod and then you can use the clicker and just take photos. Just set up your tripod, take photos. Of course, you don't want to go to like a super busy area with like high theft um, because you'll be doing different shots. But I have a bunch of friends who actually like nickname their tripod or they call it like, you know, their Instagram boyfriend tripod. Um, and it's so funny and they've like made a whole story about it, but they go out, they go solo, they bring their tripod out, they use their clicker or their automatic timer and they just take photos by themselves. I'm I'm sure it's harder, but it, if somebody doesn't have a boyfriend or girlfriend who would be willing to do this, there's still hope that they can figure out a different way. It sounds like. Yeah, of course. And a lot of my friends who are bloggers will take photos of each other at events these events that we go to are perfectly staged for awesome like Instagram photos. So they have great backgrounds, great locations, great views. So a lot of my friends will bring their camera or actually just their phone and then we'll snap photos of each other while we're at an event. That's another popular way to get photos as well. If you were to go back to high school, knowing that you wanted to be an influencer, What are some of the classes or skills you might have tried to get earlier on to be better at what you're doing now? That's a great question. I would have taken more illustrator classes, anything in the Adobe suite specifically, like Photoshop, Lightroom. And then also, I haven't really tapped into video editing, but maybe courses in Final Cut or even iMovie, something like that, where I can learn how to edit. And there's just not, you know, the pressure or the deadline to get a photo out from a brand. It's more at your own leisure and you can actually learn the fundamentals and the basics. When I learned Photoshop, I was only learning the things I needed to do. Like, how do I remove that trash can from my photo? How do I, you know, get rid of that person in my background that is ruining my perfect shot? Things like that. So I never actually learned the fundamentals of Photoshop. I can only do the things that I want to do for my photos. I know for myself, if I have to learn something because I'm actually going to apply it, it's much more likely to stick. The thing that a lot of people I don't think necessarily recognize is 
that when you finally break through and you finally get to the point where things are working, that's what people see, but they don't see all the time you spent um, banging your head against the desk trying to figure out how to take trash cans and strangers who photobombed your photos out of your pictures, right? Right, exactly. I mean, that's what I always say. Like, No one really is going to understand the struggle that I went through to get to where I am today. No one's going to understand that, you know, the first fashion events I went to, I had to like pay to get in, to network, to meet those people, to get to the next level. Nobody's going to understand that the first event I went to, people wouldn't talk to me because I didn't have a big following. No one's going to see that. Everyone's just going to see, oh, okay, she's sitting front row at fashion week now and you know, she gets to go to all these cool events and brands send her tons and tons of products. But it was hard. It wasn't easy. And it was a lot of work to get to where I'm at today. So did you face a lot of direct rejection? Um, or was most of it just non-response, people ignoring you? It's a, it's a mix of both. I would say that a lot of times when you uh, get approached by a brand they pitch to you and ask if you are interested in working with them. And then you have to come up with like a vision and how you see that campaign. And sometimes they choose you. Sometimes they don't choose you. And I would say when they don't choose you, it's heartbreaking, especially if it's a brand you really want to work with. Um, But then if they do choose you, it's, it's so exciting and, you know, you can really be aligned with that brand and work on, you know, your vision and their vision and kind of come together to create like an amazing campaign and photos, photos that they can use on their website, photos that you can use on your website, your Instagram, your social media. So it sounds like this is uh, a career where you have to have a thick skin. What are some other, you know, skills that you think are really important for uh, becoming an influencer? Yeah, I think thick skin is one of them. And you can't be afraid to ask for what you want and ask to work with brands. It's one of the things that I would say is most overlooked. A lot of people think that brands are just going to approach them because, you know, they're making amazing content and putting out incredible SEO articles. But the truth is, is you need to be out there and you need to be selling yourself, whether it's taking meetings in person or sending pitches to brands. So I would say sales, you have to be good. And I wouldn't say that, you know, you have to be like that cheesy car salesman. I think you just have to be good at selling value, like why you're valuable, why your audience is valuable. And I think that's one thing that is a lot overlooked as well as organization. You have to be extremely organized because brands in most contracts, if you miss the deadline, they have the right to cancel the whole contract. So you have to make sure that when you go through these contracts, that you understand A, exactly what you're signing and B, make sure that you can actually commit to these deadlines. Yeah. So that's great. So thick skin, you need to be organized. And then, you know, I think part of organization is also discipline. You know, just knowing what you've had to do, it takes a lot of discipline to say, okay, Sunday morning, we're going to get up and for five hours, we're going to shoot. And then after that, we're going to edit and everything else. Yeah, I would say discipline for sure. Um, You have to 
do a lot of things that like you wouldn't be expected to do. There's been countless times where I've gotten fully ready for a photo shoot and it looks like perfect weather and then it starts raining. Then you got to be either creative or you got to do it all over again tomorrow. Um, so you definitely need to be disciplined and willing to just either go with the flow or adjust your plans. Yeah. Discipline and flex both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to high schoolers if they wanted to uh, become an influencer as a career, not just as a hobby, but if they wanted to really do it full time? Things take longer than it's expected. So everybody thinks that there'll be an overnight success and go viral. And the truth is it takes years to build up. So stick with it um, and don't get burnt out. Don't overcommit. I see people who are starting out trying to post three, four photos a day, trying to post at least two blog posts a week and just don't do it. Just make expectations for yourself that you can actually achieve, set goals for yourself that are achievable. That's the best piece of advice. And start reaching out to brands, start watching videos online about how people became successful, start reading about what do the most successful bloggers do? How did they get to that point? You know, what type of things did they have to go through? What struggles did they have? Try to learn different lessons from each blogger on what they did and where their mistakes were, because a lot of them actually open up about it. We talk about it. We talk about the struggles that we went through. We talk about, you know, how to negotiate. We talk about what you should charge per post. So if you don't know those questions, there are answers out there that you can find find it out. So it sounds like finding uh, communities, finding mentors, and being curious to ask people already in the the trenches would be a really good thing to start by doing. Yeah, exactly. I think bloggers are definitely willing to help you after they see that you've been putting in work. I would say people are less likely to help you if you're just like, I want to become an influencer. What should I do? Like they want to see that you've gone out there and tried and you know, you're having like this pitfall so they can help you overcome it. Um, So as long as you're out there trying and trying to make it work and maybe you're just not having as much success, they're definitely willing to help. So I would say before you reach out to people, I would just try yourself so you can see and ask more specific questions because that's going to be more valuable than just how do I become an influencer. Yeah, and I think that's so true in any career. People are generally willing to help. You just got to show that you've done your homework first. Well, Diana, are there any other pieces of advice that you would give about becoming an influencer? Best piece of advice is just be yourself. Like, don't try to be someone you're not on social media because that won't come off authentic. Like, I'm very petite and very short, and I always talk about it, and it's just me, and I'm goofy, and I I like to have fun, and... I try to really portray that in my images and my Instagram stories. So be who you are. And I think that the most successful influencers I see are people who just act themselves. That's such great advice. Diane, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your story and giving a behind the scenes look at the life of an influencer. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Rian and everyone out there. I hope this really helped and inspired you to pursue your dreams. You can check out Diane's fashion work on Instagram at Petite in Paris or PetiteInParis.com. To check out her finance blog, go to LifeWithABudget.com. 
To learn more about becoming a blogger or influencer, or to explore other career paths, check out stepladder.ai. The Stepladder platform helps you figure out what to be and how to get there. Once you know what to be, follow our step-by-step plans to get the skills companies are looking for. The more skills you build, the more internships and job opportunities you unlock. Again, you can check out StepLadder at stepladder.ai.